welcome to the foot of the rapids. We return after a long, long break, and with new theme music composed in celebration of this return. The Foot of the Rapids is a story series regarding the War of 1812. Except today. Though our tale is rooted in the war, and even before that, most of our narrative will unfold in the late 20th and early 21st century, the 40 or so years from the late 1970s through the present. And our principal character shall not be a soldier or even a human being, but a historical object. Artifacts, of course, can be major sources for valuable historical information, and there is nothing quite like the magic of holding or beholding something once involved in a stupendous event or something that hasn't been touched or seen for millennia. An object can see many lifetimes, and therefore can have a remarkably long story arc with many supporting characters passing by, separated by centuries. These artifacts all have their stories to tell, and our subject had quite an adventuresome yarn to relate long after it was retired from useful service. This is the story of General William Henry Harrison's sword, which if you may have heard and now carefully recall the news from the year 2019, the sword was at last successfully recovered, having gone missing some 40 years. Today will be the tale of those dark 40 years, a story filled with intrigue and deception, luck, daring, and quick swashbuckling action until finally the sword finds its home once more here in the state of Ohio. Again, welcome to the Foot of the Rapids, a place once the military home for our commanding general and his remarkable sword. Join us. Our story begins not in 1812, but a generation beforehand, in 1776. Weaponsmith Jacob Hurd produced 17 identical blades for the war effort of American independence. 34 and a half inches in length of silver and steel, its grip carefully wound with delicate two-strand silver wire, flaring silver quillen and guard all behind a slender diamond-shaped blade. Yes, four-sided like a spike, complete with blood channel. A fabulous weapon and true symbol of high rank. And one purchased by John Cleves Sims, a prominent citizen of New Jersey and colonel in the militia service. His name script engraved into the sword and carried in the Revolutionary War. John Cleves Sims sat on the New Jersey legislature, as well as a delegate to the Continental Congress in the mid-1780s. After the passing of the Northwest Ordinance in 1787, Sims bought huge tracts of land in the south of the Ohio country. All the land that would later make up Hamilton, Butler, and Warren counties down by Cincinnati. In 1788, Sims became a judge in the Northwest Territory and moved out west, 
founding the town of North Bend along the river. It was there, a few years later, that Sims's daughter, Anna Tuthill, met a young soldier, Lieutenant William Henry Harrison, a fresh hero off the battlefields of fallen timbers, here at the foot of the rapids, and a recent signer of the Treaty of Greenville, a landmark document in the founding of Ohio. William and Anna apparently married for love, as her great father reportedly disapproved of marriage to a soldier. They eloped and married while her father was conveniently away, honeymoon spent at Harrison's post of Fort Washington, as he did not even obtain a furlough for his marriage, carefully keeping the secret to the final moment. It was a good match for the frontier dame, as Harrison was a rising star in the West, ultimately resigning his army commission and entering politics, serving as a national representative from territorial Ohio and later being named territorial governor of Indiana. There, Anna and William would build the great house of Grouseland, a living fortress at Vincennes, bearing 10 children along this embattled path of life. It is not known when our subject, the sword, passed into the possession of Governor Harrison, likely after he achieved fame in battle beginning in 1811 at Tippecanoe. But he would be its second owner, inscribing his name in a script carving on its blade. Nor is it known whether he carried this sword with him in combat here at Fort Meigs at the foot of the rapids. Likely not, I would think. Why would one risk a precious family heirloom on the front lines of 1812? But it is said that the weapon was at his aged side when he was inaugurated to the nation's highest office in 1841, the sword now a true symbol of rank and prestige, honoring a life of noble contributions to the growing United States. And so the sword was passed down through time to the eldest male descendant who saw military service and many additional names carved into that steel edge until 1922, when the final descendant, William Wimple Sims, donated the valued 145-year-old piece to the Hamilton County Probate Court before the family left the area, some say bound for Texas. There it remained undisturbed for another 50 years or so, and as the nation prepared itself for the great festivities surrounding the stupendous bicentennial of 1976, the sword was loaned to the Cincinnati Historical Society for display throughout the grand celebration. The sword hung in its scabbard, adorning a mannequin in the great Union Terminal Train Center in Cincinnati, a remarkable housing for such a unique item in the story of the nation's birth and frontier legacy. Thereafter, the sword and scabbard were packed away into the basement of the Cincinnati Art Museum among the carefully cataloged and inventoried artifacts and artwork. Just another item in another drawer, in another hallway, in another dark 
and seldom visited cellar. A call came in in 1980 from the Harrison family with a request to view the sword as they were visiting the area. They were told simply, the sword could not be located. The family request was quietly forgotten and no report was filed for so valuable an object now apparently missing. Another decade and more shuffled by and with the founding of the Harrison Sims Memorial Foundation, company president Beverly Myers made a second request, now for displaying the piece, a jewel perhaps for their growing collection. It was now in a letter from the Art Museum dated May 25, 1993. Authorities said that the sword was indeed stolen from their possession sometime in the spring of 1979. No clues had been left behind, all trails long cold. The foundation hereby filed the first official police report, yet the story was hushed by the Cincinnati Police Department to avoid any scandal. The dark years of mystery were now already 14 years underway and would endure much, much longer. A new member to the Harrison Sims Memorial Foundation, an area priest named Sunberg, was coolly drifting across the vast expanse of the internet late on the night of October 18th, 2019, when something caught his eye. He was by no means looking for the sword, doubtful he was even aware of the mystery and the outstanding search. Yet he was impressed with an item going up for auction and thought it might be good for the Foundation's collection. The item, a sword, was up for sale beginning the very next morning at 11 o'clock. He immediately contacted Foundation Treasurer Rodney Gibbons for his opinion on the matter and thoughts on the potential acquisition. And there, upon investigation, the Eureka moment struck. In turn, a second long-standing Foundation member, Judge Ralph Winkler, was called for a second keen eye to behold the findings, and then Sheriff Jim Neal to review the police report description. There it was. Nadow Auction Gallery Lot Number 0054, Silver Hilt Small Sword by Jacob Hurd, carried by J.C. Sims and later William Henry Harrison. Estimated value, 30000 to 50000 U.S. dollars. Opening bid to begin at fifteen grand, complete with original scabbard. Through the night, the FBI were contacted as stolen property had been transported across state lines and then onto the local police of Windsor, Connecticut. Cincinnati had documentation on a stolen item for sale within their state. 
Authorities raided the auction house at 9 a.m., froze the proceedings, and seized the sword a mere two hours before it slipped away again into the darkness of history. Forty years of cold case mystery had come to a rushed rescue and convicted conclusion. A forensic investigation revealed, indeed, it was the 1776 blade carried in the revolution. Indeed, the diamond-shaped weapon of the 1841 inauguration. The same 34-inch piece of art of 1922. The 2019 owner, one James Koken of the Mars and Neptune Trust, weekly attempted to claim it was not the same item, that there was a difference in length, that the inscriptions were different in form. Yet he had no paperwork, no certificate of authenticity, and filed no injunction to retain his ownership. He claimed he had purchased the item in good faith from Christie's auction house in 2015, and his hands were clean. True, the sale had gone through Christie's from a private estate collection in New York in 2015 at a price tag of $5,000. The blade alone with no scabbard. Though murky and in sweaty shadows, no prosecution against the illegal owner was taken. The time limit on any crime had carefully expired. Sheriff Jim Neal and other members of the Cincinnati Police Department traveled and took possession of the famed sword six days later on October 25th. It was returned in triumph to Ohio and received much media attention and fireworks. After a brief victory lap of display and additional study and investigation, it was returned to its long 20th century home at the Hamilton County Probate Court where it has been sealed away. Having endured such intense misadventures, it is closely protected and cannot be viewed to this day. Were it viewable, certainly this host would have traveled down from the foot of the rapids to swing the mighty saber aloft in the free air himself. But it sleeps for now, and for how long, no one Treasurer Gibbons is proud of his involvement in the recapture of this celebrated item, happy to be a supporting character in the long, multi-generational drama of this grand historical object. All had acted together, Gibbons, Neal, Judge Winkler, Father Sunberg, the Bureau, the Windsor Police, and saved it in the nick of time. Yet some unanswered questions persist. The mystery is, who stole it? How did it make its way through New York to Connecticut? How was the Cincinnati Art Museum, claiming ignorance, able to pinpoint its theft to the season and the exact year? How could it have been sold without its scabbard in 2015, yet had been reunited with its original sheath four years later? Where were its later owners in 1979 when it disappeared? Questions 
historians may never know, unless this story is kept alive and the curious fall under the sword's spell. Some members of the Foundation have, without any malice, pointed to clues that 2015 owner Koken had in 1979, the year of disappearance, been at graduate school at nearby Oxford, Ohio. And one may further speculate that graduate students often do their intern work at adjacent major cities with huge supporting institutions like the Cincinnati Art Museum, his major. But this is conjecture only, and no fingers point from the foot of the rapids. My great thanks to Rodney Gibbons of the Harrison Sims Memorial Foundation for his engaging conversation. Please feel free to visit their accommodations down south and behold the other treasures of the past. They are there, not far from the tomb of General Harrison. And, of course, feel free to visit all of us at the foot of the rapids.